Well, hey, this morning we are going to finish our series entitled Better Than Good. So for the last 50 days, uh, we have been looking at the gospel and how the gospel isn't just good news, it's better than good. And, and so we, we've kind of, uh, you know, camped on kind of a theme verse that we find in Romans chapter 1, verses 16 and 17. And I, I believe we have it for the screen. Is that correct? All right, let's put it up on the screen. What, we, uh, what I would like us to do is I'd like us to read this together this morning, uh, just kind of as, as, as we uh, continue to think about the gospel this morning. Could we read this together, please? I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God. Sorry, it's the power that brings salvation to everyone who believes. For in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith from first to last. Just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. I love this, that the, it is the power of the gospel, is the power of God that brings salvation uh, to everyone. And, and, and it's, it's what we need. And so we begin thinking about or through the, the idea of the gospel. And the gospel is the good news of the life, death, resurrection of Jesus that, that, that is for every person and for every problem. And uh, so we, we've kind of worked through some things. Our first week we talked about how the coming of Jesus invites us to experience the good news of His victory. And it was the idea that gospel is the declaration of victory, that Jesus has triumphed, that He has won, that, you know what, death has been defeated, sin, the power of sin has been broken, and because of it, we can live the life that we are created for. We also recognize that the gospel is an invitation to something greater, and we looked at the story how Jesus stepped into the boat of Peter and said, hey, come follow me and I will make you. And we recognize that it's the love of Jesus that invites us to something greater, greater than our own dreams, greater than our own selves, our own wants, our own desires. We talked also about how that as we respond to this gospel, that we experience a new walk. That because of the gospel, we don't have to leave the same way we came. And we looked at the story of the man who was paralyzed and how he was lowered before Jesus. And Jesus said, your sins are forgiven. And the way that, we're, that, that you're going to know that your sins are forgiven, he says to him, get up and walk. And, and we understand that as God begins to transform our hearts, as we experience that forgiveness of sins, it changes the way that we walk and the way we interact in our world. We then looked at undoing death. The idea that the, that the gospel of Jesus has the power to reshape our categories. That the, the, the categories that we have, sometimes we think certain things are an end, and, and specifically with death, that death is not the end. And so we looked at how Jesus is greater than even death as, as we looked at the story of the widow whose son had died and, and Jesus stopped the funeral procession and he, and he spoke to the boy and, 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 he, and life was restored. And we're reminded that our, the God that we serve the Savior that has rescued us is greater than even uh, death. We recognized also as we began looking at Acts chapter 1 uh, and 2, that because of the gospel, we are now empowered for a purpose. That the, the, the Father has promised us a gift that we might be the witnesses that He's called us to be and that the Holy Spirit has been given to us that we might boldly bear witness with our lives to the greatness and to the victory of Jesus. We then talked about the importance of building community. The idea of building community that, that salvation isn't just about something that happens to us individually. Salvation is this idea that God is bringing us together. How many are grateful that God has brought a bunch of crazy people together? Amen. And we get to be His church, right? And, and, and it's, it's the Spirit of God that is changing us and, and, and we get to grow and we get to do life together. 
And then last week we talked about breaking others out. And we looked at the story of, of Peter. And when he was in prison, it said that the church began to pray earnestly. And because they prayed earnestly, you know, we, we, we discussed how that, that our prayers can reach places we can't go. They can break bonds that we cannot break. And it can open doors that we can't imagine. And so last week, what we did kind of at the, as a part of the service, we, we handed out post-it notes. And put, people began to write down names of individuals that they're like going, these are people that need to experience the power of the gospel, whether it was for, you know, rescue, whether it was redemption, whether it was restoration. And, and just so you know, we received back from everybody over 200 names. Like it was, it was 200 and some names, right? And, and so, oh yeah, give, it was awesome. And so what we did Wednesday night as a, as, as a group, we came together. We called out every name. We prayed for every single name. I know some of you weren't able to make it. But I want you to know every name that was written down on those post-it notes, we prayed for. We, we, we interceded. We were like, God, we need you to do stuff what we can't do. We need you to, we need you to, you know, reach places we can't go. We need you to break bonds we can't break. We need you to open doors that, that we can't imagine. God, we need you to do something. And, and, and it was a great season of prayer. But not only did we pray for every name on the card... We prayed for everyone who wrote a name on the card, on, on the post-it. And so I want to know that if you were one of those who put names down, I want you to know we were praying for you. We were praying that as the gospel takes root in your heart, that you would bear witness powerfully and joyfully because of the God that we serve. And this is what the gospel does. The gospel is about bringing life. And so as we kind of bring this, this series to a close this morning, we're going to talk about getting through. And I love the gospel because what the gospel does is it gives us hope. It gives us hope for our past. How many are grateful that we don't have to be defined by our, our worst moments and our worst days? Anybody here have a worst moment and a worst day? Yeah, I got a few of them. You know, and, and, and sometimes we look back and go, oh my goodness, I can't believe how foolish I was. Anybody have that discussion at times? Like, oh my goodness, you know, uh, I think Dave Ramsey calls it the stupid tax. You're like, dude, man, I am still paying the stupid tax, right? Uh, it's fun because how many know that pastor kids are good kids? How many know they're not always the smartest? (laughs) I say this not only because I was a pastor's kid, but I have pastor's kids. And so it's been kind of fun as my kids have gotten older, you know, and they're adults. And they're like going, um, and they begin to share with me some of the the things that they have tried. And, you know, as a parent, you're like, you know, I, I, I hope you're flying right. I hope you're doing smart things and stuff like that. But it doesn't matter how good you are as a parent. Can I get a witness on this one? Kids will be kids. Come on now. Help me out. Just because your kids are dumb doesn't mean the parent's dumb. Can I get a witness? No, I'm just kidding. So, so it's so funny. So I was talking to Emily on the phone, and she was just like, we were kind of laughing, and she's like going, yeah, there was something that we tried, and it was her and Sam. And I'm like, oh, yeah, what's this? And, and, and um, she began to tell me how, you know, you know how it is you're driving down the highway, and you'll see the cones, Right? And, and if you've watched the movies, you know, like people will be driving and then they'll hit a cone and it'll like bounce away in some foreign, you know, crazy direction. And they're like, I wonder if this is true. <laughs> like I said, not the sharpest kids in the drawer. Um, not the sharpest knives, but that's okay. We, we love them, right? And uh, so what they discovered is that when you hit one at highway speeds, they don't bounce. They go thump. And... Uh, you know, but they're, but they're all fine, and they make it, and this is why we pray for our kids. 
But, but you know, you, you think about your life and mine, and we, we look at our past, and we look at decisions, we look at things, and we go like, oh my goodness, how could I be so dumb? And sometimes we, we carry the guilt and the shame, and we think, you know what, when, when people see us, they see, you know, that all we're known for is sometimes the foolish and the bad and the wrong that we've done. And sometimes the problem isn't so much even what people see about us, it's what we see when we look in the mirror. How many know the mirror is a terrible thing to look into as you get older? Right? Like, oh my goodness, why is that old person in there? Right? But, but sometimes as we see our own selves, we're like, oh my goodness. And, 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 and we see the, you know, we're reminded of our, of our foolishness and our mistakes. And, and, and it just, it, it, become, it can be such a weight upon our soul. And it becomes something that traps us. Yet I love what the gospel does because not only in the gospel do we have a, a, a way by which these issues can be addressed. But it's also a way by which we can find freedom. How many know that because of the gospel of Jesus Christ, we're not defined by our past, but we're defined by His grace, right? And I'm just so, I'm so thankful for that. It's the hope of what the gospel gives. Not only that, the gospel gives us this incredible hope for a future. Aren't you grateful that the story's not done? And that when the story is done, it all gets made right in the end. Like, I, I love this story because we, we serve a triumphant Savior, and even as the angel said that to the disciples, you've seen this Jesus go away. As he goes up into the clouds, they're like going, hey, he's going to come again. And how many know when he comes again, he's going to make right every wrong? He, he's going he's to deal with the brokenness and the hurt, and, and he's going to judge righteously and judge rightly, and, and he's going to bring about a restoration and a reunion, and it's going to be amazing. And as followers of Jesus, we have an enduring and undying hope because our Savior has triumphed. And you know what? We don't have to fear the future because we know that because of his grace, we get to be a part of his future. And so we have hope about the future. And it's not just hope about the future, it's hope for our today. And kind of as we talk about the gospel, this is where we're going to look, is our hope for today. And the idea that, you know what, the gospel at work in our life, that there's ways that we sometimes imagine it and sometimes hope it works. That the gospel working in my life means everything gets to be good and easy and fun. But how many know life is not like that? I mean, living in a broken world means that we have to not only deal with brokenness, but life can also be incredibly difficult and hard. And it can be draining, and it can be frustrating, and it can, it can, it can, it can weigh on us. Yet the gospel of Jesus Christ gives us the capacity to get through. And we're going to look at a passage from Acts chapter 27. It's a beautiful story. Um, I, I love it. We don't have time to really, really look at it, but we'll hit, hit a couple highlights from it. But, but as we do, this is what we're going to kind of center our thoughts and our hearts around is this, is that the gospel reassures us that God will bring us through. And I want you to know, no matter where you're at, what you're going through right now, the gospel of Jesus Christ, His faithfulness, His love, what He's done for us, gives us the hope that we're going to get through. Look at your neighbor and just say, hey, good news, we get to get through, Right? no matter what we're going through. Now, what we're going to find is we come to Luke chap uh, sorry, Acts chapter 27. Luke has been writing this incredible gospel. He's not only written about the life and work of Jesus, now he's beginning to talk about that, that, that what that life and work of Jesus, how it begins to impa sorry, impact and influence the world, that it begins to move not just from the city of Jerusalem, but it extends all the way out to the, the, the center of the Roman Empire. 
And, and, it, and it's this great story. But, but as, we, as we get to it, one of the things we need to understand is that um, Paul had this idea that he wanted to get to Rome. Like he even wrote a letter called Romans. And part of the purpose of Romans is to say, hey, guys, heads up. I'm going to go to Jerusalem. I'm bringing an offering because there's a famine and there's different things going on. And we just want to bless people. And hey, would you be a part of the offering? And he's been collecting stuff from around you know, Asia Minor so that the, that the church might be blessed in Jerusalem. And, and, and so he's you know, saying, hey, I'm going to head back to Jerusalem. But then my plan is this, is I'm going to come to Rome. And I want to meet with you. I want to celebrate what Jesus has done. And then from there, I want to take the gospel to Spain. It's going to be awesome. And so he goes back to Jerusalem. And as soon as he goes back to Jerusalem, everything goes sideways. How many of you are planners? You, 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 know, you come to life and you're like, I got my plan. I know what it's going to look like. And then all of a sudden, it goes sideways. And it's like going, uh-oh. This isn't good. And so for Paul, everything goes sideways. So, so as he comes back to Jerusalem, he brings the gift to the Jerusalem church. He also goes to the temple because, again, the temple was still the, the place where we connect with the God of Israel, the, the God who, who changes and transforms. And so they, they would meet in the temple court. And so as he goes into the temple court and, and he goes past the court of the Gentile and he heads into the court of the Jews, all of a sudden there's a hubbub that happens because Paul is present. Some people had come around and uh, Paul and the, the church and the message of the gospel was not sitting well with some folks. And so it ended up that a whole bunch of people started pushing against uh, Paul and a riot ensues. Now, the Roman Empire was a conquering people. Like, they, it was a conquering empire. They'd go in and they would devastate and then they would, they, they would set up an authoritarian kind of rule and they wanted to make sure that the peace of that rule was maintained. Jerusalem was a notorious city where there was always trouble. And so whenever there was the first sight of trouble, it wasn't uncommon for the Roman Empire to step in to squelch whatever problem is. And so sure enough, that, that as, as, as Paul goes into uh, the temple, a riot begins. The Roman government is like going... Dude, we are not playing that game. And they just, they hammer and they see Paul's at the center of, all, center of it all. And so they're like going, that's it, we're arresting you. And so they end up arresting him. And, uh, and, and they're like going, hey, you know what we do? When, when you disturb the peace, we disturb you. Like that's the mindset. And so they're like going, okay, you're causing problems. We're going to take care of the problem. And so they're like, what we're going to do is we're going to flog you. We're just going to beat you senseless. Because how many know beating you senseless can help keep the peace? Now, just don't raise your hands. Don't, don't raise your hands. Some of you parents out there are thinking, oh, really? No, I'm just kidding. Right? Just don't, no. It does. So anyway, so that was the idea. Well, well, we'll just do that. Right? And so they get ready to flog Paul. And then Paul pulls a card that he's been holding in his pocket. And the card was this. As they're getting ready to flog him, he just asked the question, hey, is it okay to flog a Roman citizen? Well, all of a sudden, the bus stops. Wait, you're a Roman citizen? And sure enough, Paul, even though he's Jewish, 
He's actually a citizen of Rome. And he's like, listen, I didn't purchase this citizen. I have been born as a Roman citizen. And as a Roman citizen, you couldn't be flogged without a trial. And so he's like, hey, you're getting ready to beat me. You're getting ready to flog me. Hey, heads up. I'm a Roman citizen. And they're like, oh, so that means we can't beat you unless there's a trial. And then he takes his card and he plays it again. And he says, you know what? I don't think I'm going to get a fair hearing in this area. And so I want my case to be appealed to Caesar. And it was the Roman citizen's right to actually have their case adjudicated at the highest level. Now, it was a win-lose kind of thing because how many know that if, if Caesar thought your case was foolish, then there would absolutely be no recourse. Right? And so, and so but Paul's like, listen, I, will, I, I appeal to Caesar. And because he appealed to Caesar as a Roman citizen, all of a sudden, a whole bunch of events took place that began to move him from Jerusalem to the center of the empire, which is Rome, in order that he might defend the charges against him to Caesar. Cool story. Except when he's on his way to Jerusalem, instead of walking, because how many know walking just takes a long time? Like, let's cut the corner a little bit, and the way to cut the corner was to, to go across the Mediterranean Sea. And so it was this time of year, it was kind of like fall, when they begin to make the trip across. And this is not the time for cruises. Uh, just, it was just not a good time. And so what ends up happening, you can read it in uh, Acts chapter 27. It says, eventually they got caught in a storm. And it says that the winds began to blow. And, and, and these, were, these were men who were hardened sailors. And, and these were men who spent their time. And, and, and they thought we had got it right, but they didn't get it right. And all of a sudden, the whole ship and everyone on it is now just caught up in the wind, the rain, the driving. They, they, they were so afraid they began to throw off cargo. They began to try and lighten their ship because they're like, dude, we are going down and there's incredible fear and panic. And then when you get to verse 20, it says this. Um, verse, verse 20 tells us that says, when neither sun nor stars had appeared for many days and the storm continued, sorry, when neither sun nor stars appeared for many days and the storm continued raging, look what it says, we gave up all hope of being saved. Okay, so how do you navigate or how do you find your direction when there's no landmarks? So this is the problem of sailing, right? Because how many know when you're on the water, the waves keep changing and there's not a lot of landmarks? So the way you position yourselves, the way you know where you are is you look at the stars. And you actually get your, your bearings in relation to the stars. And so when you can't see the stars or you can't see the sun, you can't make sense of where you are. You're in the midst of the storm and they have no clue where they're at. They've been beaten and moved along. So as we look at the story, I think this is so important because sometimes in our lives, 
We get caught up in storms and all of a sudden we lose sense of where we're at. Have you ever had those moments? Where you're just kind of like going, I'm, I, like, like I know where I'm at, but I don't know where I'm at. Like I thought I was going in this direction, but all these things have come along. Like where am I? Like where has my life progressed to? What, what, what am I wrestling with? Like what's going on? And we try to locate ourselves, but, but the things that we are using for the bearings of our life, we just can't find. We're not quite sure where we're at. Sometimes it happens because of relationships. Sometimes it happens because of physical stuff. Sometimes it just happens because life is hard and messy. How many know that in life, storms are inevitable? Right? It's Jesus, even when he's talking to his followers, he's like, guys, heads up. You know, you can build your house on a rock or you can build your house on a sand. Um, But no matter where you build, you're going to have to deal with storms. And storms is just a part of life, and, and, and they're hard, and they're frustrating, and, and we're like, how do we get through this? And sometimes they're so big and so great, and they seem to last for so long, we're not even sure where we're at. Well, I think that as we continue to read this story, there's going to be a few ideas that I think can help us as we navigate a way through those storms. And I think this is what the gospel does for you and me. It helps us find a way to get through the storms of life. And so the first thing I want to note is even though in the midst of the storm we may not know where we're at, God knows right where we are and He knows how to reach us. Like I love, I love this idea that we find. And again, there's so many great ideas in, in Acts chapter 27 in the story. We don't have time to go through all of them, but I just want to, this is one I think is so important. So this is what it says in verse 21. It says, when they had gone a long time without food, how many know that, that going without food is just not a good day, right? They've gone a long time without food. It's been a long time since breakfast. It says, Paul stood up before them and said, men, you should have taken my advice not to sail from Crete. Then you would have been spared yourselves this damage and loss. Okay, I am not focusing on this passage. How many know the way to not make a storm easier or better is to say, I told you so? Can I get a witness on that one? How many, of you, how many of you have used that line? Honey, I told you so, right? You're like, I told you so. You're like, ah, ah, like that, that's not helping. Like, so, so when Paul stands up and you're like, guys, everybody's tired. Everybody's hungry. Everybody's a little like overwhelmed by the storm. And then Paul says, you should have listened to me. And you're like going, well, let me, choop. you know, like, I think we need to lighten the ship a little more, right? So, so I just like, hey, just, this is a free one. In the midst of the storm, don't look at somebody and say, I told you so. That's generally not helpful. But, okay, so we'll just bump past that one. But then it says this. But, but Paul ends up saying this. But now I urge you to keep up your courage because not one of you will be lost. Only the ship will be destroyed. Last night, an angel of the God to whom I belong and whom I serve, he stood beside me. This is beautiful. Again, they have no clue where they're at in the middle of the storm. And God says, I know you. I know right where you're at. And not only do I know where you're at, I know how to reach you. And Paul's like, guys, keep courage. Keep keep courage because you know what? Even though we may not have a clue where we're at, the God that I serve, the one to whom I belong. He knows where we're at. 
and he stood next to me. I want you to hear me this morning. You may be in the midst of a storm. In, you, you may be coming out of one. You may be going into one. You may be in the midst of one. I want you to know no matter what storm you're in, what the gospel assures us of is that God knows right where we're at and he knows how to reach us. He knows how to reach us. He knows how to stand right next to us, even in the midst of the uncertainties. You see, sometimes we wrestle in the storm because we're, we're like, we don't know where we're at. And we begin to wonder, God, do you know where I'm at? God, where are you in the midst of all of this? Does he care? Yet the gospel reminds us that even when we are not able, that God comes and helps. So the, the essential message of the gospel is this, is that we could not find our way out of any storm. We couldn't find our way out of sin. And so the way God rescued us from sin is that God came and lived among us. As it says in John, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God, and the Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. He came to where we are. And He did it so that He might rescue and redeem and restore us. And so I want you to know, no matter what storm you're in, that the gospel assures us that God knows right where we're at and He knows how to reach us. The second thing I want to note real quick is that part of what, what, what the, the angel's message is in the, in the midst of this is not only that, that, that God knows where you're at and He stood next to Him, but the idea that there's actually a purpose beyond the storm. There's a purpose beyond the storm. And, and this is something I believe that needs to settle in our hearts. How many know that we are created with purpose and for purpose? Like God has a reason for our lives. And that reason encompasses, I want you to listen, that reason for living encompasses not only our time on earth, but also into eternity. God has a purpose for us beyond any storm. That we matter to God so much that not only does, did He create us with purpose and intent for, for our life here on earth, but also to have a place in all of eternity that we might not only just know Him, but, but serve, his, serve His purpose. Because we are created with purpose and we are created for purpose. And I want you to know that we are created for more than just being in the storm. It says in verse 24, the angel said, Do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand trial before Caesar. I understand all you see is the storm, but you have to understand your purpose. You must stand before Caesar. You're going to get through this. And I think this is so important for us to understand that God has a purpose beyond the storm that we're in. And part of it is learning to trust the God who created us, the God who walks with us. That He's not wasting one part of our life. You see, sometimes God uses the storm we go through to be an avenue that others might experience the grace of God. If you read 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 3 and 4, Paul writes this, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, 
who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves have received from God. I want you to understand that even though you might be in a storm, and some of you, you've been through some storms, and you're on the other side, and you're like, going, oh my goodness, I can't believe the way that God has used that storm to be a means by which grace gets poured out to other people. Because there is purpose beyond the storm. And part of the reason why you're going to get through is because God has purpose beyond the storm. And we rest in that. We put our hope in it. The last thing I want to note about the, this passage. So the first thing is God knows right where we're at. He knows how to reach us. Not only that, he, he, getting, um, the, the second part is, is that there's a purpose beyond the storm. The third thing is simply this. Getting through doesn't mean everything gets through. Just because, just because we get through, getting through doesn't mean everything gets through. So verse 26, I love this. Nevertheless, we must run aground on some island. Now, I love this story. Now, if you look at the New Testament, there are three great stories of Jesus, ships, and storms. They're beautiful. The first one, Jesus is sleeping in a boat. It's a dinner cruise with the disciples. Jesus is sleeping in the stern of the boat, and it says a storm came up, and Jesus is just sleeping away. How many have people in your life, they can sleep through anything? This is what Jesus, Jesus is just sleeping through it all. The disciples are panicking. And they're like, oh my goodness, this storm is going to kill us. And so they wake Jesus up. And if you read it in Mark, Mark has it expressed this way. Jesus, don't you care that we're going to drown? I love that, right? Like there's just panic. Like we're going to die and you're sleeping. And then Jesus stands up. And he says, peace, be still. And the wind and the waves became calm. I like that story. I like any story where Jesus shows up and says, peace, and everything goes calm. The second story, if you remember this story, Jesus just feeds the 5,000 plus men, and, uh, men, women, and children. There's 5,000 men plus women and children, a whole lot of people, a whole lot of eating. There's the cleanup crew the disciples do. And then Jesus is like, hey, disciples, get in the boat, go across the lake. I'll meet you there. I'm just going to go up and pray for a bit. I'll meet you over there. And it says the disciples went out. They get in the boat. They're rowing across. As they're rowing across, guess what happens? Storm. Ah, oh, great. Another storm comes up. And they are panicking. again. They're, they're, they're straining at the oars. They're panicking. And all of a sudden, they're sure they're going to die because now they see a ghost walking on the water. And they're like going, oh my goodness, it's a ghost. We're going to die. The spirits are coming to take us and pull us down. Like, we're done. And, it's, and Jesus is like, hey, guys. And they're like, oh, it's Jesus. And you remember Peter? Lord, if it's you, tell me to come on out. Again, he's not the sharpest knife in the drawer. And so but he steps out, and then he sinks. But then Jesus picks him up. They get back in the boat. And then what happens? It says that everything became calm. I like that story. I like stories. Where there's a storm, there's a, a moment where people call out to Jesus, encounter Jesus, and he says, peace, be still, and everything gets easy. Oh, isn't that a great story? How many want to live that story? And then we get this story. Jesus tells Paul, hey, Paul, you're going to go to Rome. You can actually read this 
back in, uh, in, in one of the earlier verses in chapter 20, uh, 21. He says, you're going you're gonna to go and you're going you're gonna to tell the gospel before Caesar. You're going to go to Rome. Awesome. And he ends up on this ship. And again, this is a sideways trip. This isn't how we thought, but hey, we'll do it. Let's make the most of this thing. And so he's like, I'm going to share the gospel to the Caesar. We're going we're gonna to make this puppy work. And then all of a sudden, there's a storm. And it's such a storm, it's so dark, no sun, no stars. And it even says, we gave up hope. We gave up all hope of being saved. And what's interesting, you know, it says we there. Um, That means Luke was actually a part of the writing party. And so the reason why he writes so vividly about this is because he was actually a part of the journey. And he's like, we gave up all hope of being saved. And then... Jesus sends someone to meet them in the middle of the unknown and say, you're going to make it through. But instead of saying, peace, be still, he's like, oh, by the way, the boat's not going to make it. I don't know about you, but I like the first two stories better, especially if it's me my boat in a storm. Can I get a witness on this one? Like, I love the prayers where all of a sudden everything gets easy, good, and quick, and done. You're like, thank you, Jesus. It's the gospel. But now the angel is saying, hey, just heads up, heads up. You're going to make it, but the thing you're riding on, it's not going to make it. And just so you know, that they... I think they had a vested interest in the boat floating. Like, it was, the, it was their, their thought. The, the reason they're, like, dumping their cargo and the tackle, lightening the ship, it even says that they took ropes and wrapped them around the bottom of the ship to hold the thing together because of the battering of the storm. They're, like, going, this boat is really important to our survival. And the angel's like, hey, heads up, boat ain't going to make it. Now, I think this is important because many times in our lives, number one, we like the first stories rather than this story. Secondly, we think that if we're going to get through, there are certain things I have to be able to hold on to to get through this. We begin to think, you know, the thing that's going to get me through is if I have the gospel, yes, but boy, I I really need to make sure that I have this piece and this piece and this piece and this piece and this piece, and if I don't have these pieces, I'll never make it through. And then the storm comes up, and you're like going, hey, you know what? Maybe I can get away without this one, and maybe not this one, but I better hold on to these things. And God's like, hey, heads up. I'm going to get you through this, but just heads up, the ship's not going to make it. And I think this is the moment where we have to begin to understand and begin to ask, where are we putting our hope for salvation? Is it in the thing we're trying to hold on to? Or is it the God who knows where we are and knows how to meet us in the middle of any storm? And I think this is such a big idea because, again, life is hard and and we encounter storms and, and sometimes we think, boy, if the gospel's working in my life, it's just like a peace, be still, and everything gets still. I'm like going, that's the Jesus we're serving. 
Yet the Jesus we're serving, he does that. And I've seen him do this. I'm so grateful. He still does this today. There are moments in the midst of the chaos of our lives, Jesus sovereignly meets us and he speaks peace over a situation. And in a moment, things change. And you're like, hallelujah. But sometimes, he's like, hey, heads up. You're going to get through this. you got a purpose beyond this, but understand that thing that you're trying to hold on to, the thing that you thought was necessary for your survival, that thing may not be making the trip. And the question is, is how does our heart manage in the midst of all of this? Can we have a hope and put our faith and our trust in the God who loves us and cares for us so much? So often in our lives, we are working so hard to try and hold everything together. In the midst of the storm, we, we try even harder. Again, we'll, we'll lighten the things that we think, well, I don't really need this right now, but we're, we're holding all these things, and we think that if I can just hold tight enough, I will be able to keep this all together. I mean, no, the reality is we really are not super good at keeping everything together. I know there are times it's hard to keep a family together. A marriage, a dream, a job. It's hard. Sometimes if I just try harder, if I can just get the right thing. Yet God invites us to say, would you just simply trust me? Because what I want to do is I want to bring you through this. This is not meant to be your end. This is just something we're going to go through. I love what it says in Colossians chapter 1 as it talks about who Jesus is. And I think when in the midst of the storm, we always need to keep our eyes on who Jesus is. So Paul would write this to the Colossian church. The Son is the image of the invisible God. He's the firstborn over all creation. For in Him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and inv invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through Him and for Him. Now, this is the part I love. He is before all things, and in Him all things hold together. In Him all things hold together. And I think part of it is understanding that what we need in the midst of the storm is a recognition of what Christ does. He holds it all together together. And yeah, you know what? The boat doesn't always make the trip. But He's holding us together for salvation. And He will bring us through. Again, getting through doesn't mean everything gets through. And I just want to ask, can you trust Him? Can you trust Him? Because that's what he's calling us to do. This is what the gospel is about, trusting in the storm. I want to invite the worship team up. We're going to close. How do we get through? Again, we've got to fix our hope on Jesus. We matter to him, and in him, everything is held together. We have to learn to rediscover purpose. I, I know sometimes some of you, in the midst of the storm, you begin to wonder, what's my purpose? See, what the storm does is it begins to, to cause us because what we do as beings is we, we, we bend our hearts. Um, we begin to allow other things to create our identity. And then when we don't have those things, 
We're just like, I'm not sure who I am, and I'm not sure what I'm supposed to do. I want you to know God has purpose for your life. And if you're in the midst of the storm, part of it is just being reminded God has a purpose beyond the storm. And you may not always discover it immediately in the storm, but I want you to know this, you have purpose beyond the storm. We have to learn to hold lesser things loosely. See, in the midst of the storm, what are you holding on to? What are you thinking, boy, if, if, if I lose this, I'm not making it through. That thing is anything other than Jesus. Um, all those things, it's not like they're bad things. How many know ships are not bad things? How many know they can be good? But how many know there's something better than good? And that's why we hold on to Jesus. And what I just want to encourage you to do in the midst of the storm is learn to rest in His presence and in His promise. I want to read from Isaiah chapter 43 as I close. This is what the prophet Isaiah would, would write to a people who were facing incredible difficulty, uncertainty, chaos. They were a people who were just like, you know, I can't see the sun, don't know where the stars are. It's been storming for a while, and I don't know if I'm ever going to make it to shore. Like, this is a people that are overwhelmed. And maybe that's you. But I want you to hear what God says to his people. So it says this in Isaiah chapter 43, but now this is what the Lord says. He who created you, Jacob, he who formed you, Israel. Like, before I read anymore, just heads up. He's been a part of your life right from the beginning, whether you've ever acknowledged him or not. He created you, he formed you. And then he says this, and I, I love this, he says this, do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You, you're mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. When you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. For I am the Lord your God. I'm the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. So do not be afraid, for I am with you. I'm so grateful for the gospel because it invites us to experience life, a life that is better than just good, a life that gives us hope, not just over our past and for our future, but for our present. 
And again, maybe you're here this morning and you are in the midst of a raging storm and you're still not sure where, where you are in everything. God knows right where you're at. And He knows how to reach you. I encourage you to open your heart to Him. To trust Him. Because He is our Savior. He is the reason we have good news. Because of it, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes. For in this gospel, a righteousness of God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith from first to last. Just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. And so may we with faith put our hope in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Lord Jesus, I thank you that in the midst of every storm, you know right where we're at and you know what we're going through. Lord, I thank you that, that you're the God that is faithful. That God, you hold it all together. And God, we just confess our weakness, our need, Lord, I thank you that you're still the God who makes a way through for each one of us. Even when we can't see a way, you provide, you provide refreshing, you provide strength, you provide comfort, you provide peace. God, I just speak your favor and your blessing over your children even now in Jesus' name. Just while your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed, how many would be in this place and you're just simply saying, you know what, I'm, I'm in the midst of a storm. I'm dealing with some things that just seem so much bigger than me and I'm not always sure how to manage them. But I just need the grace of God to meet me. If that's you, would you just raise your hand because I want to pray with you. See those hands. Father, these are your kids. And I thank you that you see them, you love them and you care for them. And Father, I speak blessing upon them, even now in Jesus' name. Thank you that you're the God who makes a way through. We put our hope and our trust in you. Amen. I want to invite you to stand. So what we're going to do just as we close, I'd love to pray for you. If you raised your hand, you're like going, hey, would, would you just pray with me about this? I'd, I'd love to pray with you. I'll just be down over here. I know it feels like a perp walk, and you're like, i got to walk, and everybody sees, but that's okay. Um, I just want you to know that God wants to meet you in the midst of the storm. Uh, Pastor Dwayne and uh, Steph are going to lead us, and Jim. Jim's back here, too. And uh, may we just be reminded that our God is here, and he's going to make a way for all of us.